Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it good to be with you? Maybe by the end of the show today, Herb Dean will step in and stop the fight. <laughs> it is episode 171 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. Good morning to you. Good afternoon. It is Monday, September 17, 2018. Ken Flo, this is as groomed as I've seen you since the MMA Live days on ESPN2. I know. I know. It's like I'm 28 years old all over again, right? Uh, you know, it's crazy and how young I look. You look, I look very so young. young. Well, that's a, is that not a good thing? I mean, are we trying to look no. older these days? I, I mean, mean no. I'm, to, I'm, I'm exaggerating. To... I'm exaggerating. But, I uh, yeah, I got the little stash going, little caterpillar I mean, under I... the nose. I listen, I know it's going to be a good show because we started with a Herb Dean reference, so I'm excited. I'm excited to get after it, kid. And, and I know him, but we're going to stay on your uh, your aesthetic here for a oh, minute. Ah, damn it. I Don't thought I was going to avoid well, it. I mean, how does Clark feel about the trimmed beard? I would imagine uh, she's a fan of this look, no? She likes she likes the scruff. She's not a fan of the beard. Certainly okay, not a right. fan of the mustache. So well, mustache is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so basically, if you're just ingesting this via audio, we apologize for that can't see my Cheech and Chong shirt, and you can't see Ken Flo's mustache <laughs> slash scruffy beard. Uh, but I think it's a good look for you, Ken Flo. I'm, I'm sure your wife's like, man, I haven't seen your face since like, we met. So, I know. All right. And again, if you have young kids, too, what I've told you from the moment you had your daughter true, one time you need to shave the entire face bald so you can feel the baby skin and hair against your face. There's nothing like it, kid. She's not know? a fan of the kisses. She kind of pushes. She, like, smashes me in the face with her hand. Yeah. She's already a good striker, though. Yeah. Yeah. She is a good striker, yeah, right? Who yeah. calls you the striker? The striker. <laughs> is that Todd Harris? Todd Harris. Uh, striker. Todd Harris, yes. Yeah. So uh, we are 19 days out, ladies and gentlemen, from UFC 229, Khabib versus McGregor. They will go face-to-face for the first time this Thursday in New York City, which, by the way, you can see on UFC.com, UFC Fight Pass, 5 p.m. Eastern time. That's appointment viewing as far as I'm concerned. For a non-sporting event, a not a live sporting event, that's as close as it gets to appointment viewing for me that these two are going to go face-to-face, Kenny. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. It's an interesting visual that we really haven't had before, and it's three days away. So there's something, I think, for people to chew on here uh, just a few weeks out now. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the main event that's coming up? Manawan? I'm talking about. Who are you no, talking I'm about? No, I'm talking about the press conference this Thursday. Oh, yeah. Khabib, I was like, wait a sec. There's no... Mata. But yeah, we will get to. Rest assured, sorry, we will I'm get to your boy Eric now. Anders. But I just, I am going to go out of my way. Yes. 
to watch this press conference, right? I won't be doing pickup or gymnastics or hip hop dance class with my daughters, right? Like I've told my wife, 5 p.m. Eastern time Thursday, I'm in front of a computer, UFC fight pass, watching these two face off and go at it. I think that those who bemoan the fact that we didn't get a world tour, at least are excited that we're going to have something to chew on here three days from now. And I think just a, a kind of visual and an update on where Conor McGregor is at mentally. What is he bringing to this uh, fight hype-wise? What is he bringing uh, as far as uh, the mind games for Habib Nurmagomedov? Um, I, I really want to see his approach for this one. Obviously, yeah. coming off the Mayweather fight, he hasn't fought in the UFC for a little while. Um, a lot of people saying you know, this is by far his most difficult fight to date. Um, style-wise, this is a, a terrible style matchup, is what everyone's saying, and um, I pretty much agree with that. It is a very tough matchup for McGregor, um, but I, I really want to see where his head is at, how he looks. Uh, what does he say to Habib? How does Habib look? So right. this is kind of our first look at both of these fighters um, as they get closer here, literally. The beauty of the way Conor McGregor approaches the pre-fight stuff is that it's not a whole lot of script, right? He's just that good in the moment. So I don't think you have to worry about that when it comes to Conor. And Khabib is very good at deadpanning. And, you know, his English is outstanding for it being a second language. So I'm excited to see what he can do with that type of showcase. Mm. I don't know how much a world tour pushes the pay-per-view needle versus doing a one-off like they're doing here in New York. But this is definitely strategic, and I'm excited to see it. Um, I want to talk about Moscow a little bit. Longo's coming up here in a few minutes. He did make it home safely. He did not win any extra money uh, in Russia. Yeah. Needless to say, his guy did not get the finish, and he whiffed on the main event for the second straight week. But I want to start with Alexei Olenek because when we were talking last week about the credentials, we paused to sort of acknowledge his record going in 56-11 and 11 compared to 13-12 and 12 for Mark Hunt. And I thought it was interesting looking at the betting line and looking at this matchup and looking at Mark Hunt at 44 years old and Alexei Olenek going into certain fights, as we've talked about here, can't even really walk, right? Guys limping around at the way. Yeah. But I said, how is Alexei Olenek going to do it? Is he going to do it again? And he did it again, man. Round one submission for Alexei Olenek, 57 and 11 in professional mixed martial arts, man. I mean, and this is a piece of UFC history for him as well. If you know the man, you're excited for Alexio. I told you, John. I told you there was going to be a stoppage in the first round. Yep, got it. Except I said it was going to be Mark Hunt. But uh, Alexio Linick, man, I can't believe it. Uh, listen, he was limping before, and then he was limping a little bit more from those leg kicks from Mark Hunt. Uh, it was not looking good for him. Uh, Mark Hunt hit him with a 1-2 combination, a, a jab cross that seemed like it, it sent his head into another stratosphere. Five seconds later, it seemed like he was back uh, in the octagon in Moscow, but um, he was able to regroup, uh, ended up hitting that takedown from that back position, got the back, and you could just see that, you know, they call him the boa constrictor for a reason. Everyone I've talked to over at ATT say this guy is just freakishly strong. It wasn't even a proper choke. He just, you could just see, he just probably crushed the esophagus of, of Mark Hunt uh, and, and Mark had to tap. So um, I, I was amazed by him, uh, the fact that he was able to come back from those shots and, and, and regroup, get to that clinch position, finish it, and, and won and done. As soon as he got in a position to finish the submission, he did that uh, and, and got it done early against Mark Hunt. Both, the, both of these guys a little bit older. Um, and Olenek with yet another submission. What's that, his 47th submission of his career, something like that? Something ridiculous? 12th, 12th rear naked choke, 45th career win by 40, submission. 45th. And a lot of these, wow. 
he's in the role of, of betting underdog. When he knocked out Jared Rochelle, I can almost assure you he was the underdog. Uh, submitted Travis Brown, he was the dog. Uh, did lose to Curtis Blades there. But again, that was a doctor stoppage and sort mm-hmm. of a weird situation with a foul. Mm-hmm. If I am a heavyweight with any reservations on the ground or any major shortcomings on the ground, Olenek's the last guy's name I want to see coming out of the blue corner. And yeah. that's a crazy thing to say because for Alexi Olenek, there have been a lot of injuries, and he's obviously had a very extended career. You're talking about a guy with coming up on 70 professional fights. He's 41 years old. Mm-hmm. Kenny can tell you, you know, 41 can look pretty good on some people. But this guy has had a hard time getting his body to fight night at times. And you see him moving around backstage or not moving around, right, and just sort of one step and then the next sort of looking a little bit brittle. But when he's healthy, um, even experiencing adversity in this fight, you know, the legs were compromised. You mentioned that huge right hand, super fast coming through there from Mark Hunt, and that compromised him, obviously. But having the wherewithal to get the fight to the ground and get it done again, I just – I'm not – necessarily trying to contextualize the career for Alexi Olenek, but this is a body of work that just doesn't get the love that it deserves. And a win over Mark Hunt, whether it's in 2009 or 2018, is a feather in his cap. Just to have that many fights uh, on your record in mixed martial arts, period, let alone not even fighting in the UFC, is extremely impressive. It it shows uh, how much fight this guy literally has in him, uh, how active he's been, and how he's successful he's been as a martial artist uh, to get that many finishes. I, I know, listen, has he fought world beaters every single fight? No, absolutely not. But still, to see the amount of finishes that he has on his record is absolutely astounding. Um, and the fact that he's still fighting at 41 years old is amazing. Uh, and the fact that he has a win now over a legend in Mark Hunt uh, is extremely impressive, man. And he's going to get a name ranked above him. That's all that Alexi Olenek was looking for. And for Mark Hunt, Kenny, he's 500 now, so he's back to 513 and 13 for his career. We'll see where he goes at 44 years old. I didn't hear his post-fight interview, but it didn't seem like any sort of retirement talk. Right. Um, You know, Mark Hunt, he's a guy who I thought looked very good in this fight, technically. He was moving really well. He seemed fast. He was a little bit lazy with his hands, and he was dropping them. But, you know, that's kind of... Uh, what Mark Hunt does a little bit, uh, he, he does drop his hands a little bit, looking for that knockout, uh, kind of baiting them to come in. Um, and really, he, he made one mistake, and that was it. He's never been known as a ground guy. Um, you know, the guy loves to fight. He does make a, a heck of a lot of money, uh, is my understanding, uh, yep. every time he does fight. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see him fighting for another two years, uh, right. but uh, I, I could see him fighting for another year or so uh, and finding some success. So it's, it's tough. I, I remember talking to, uh, I think it was one of the fights that we did in Australia, and uh, one of his team members, one of his coaches said, you know what, no matter how well uh, Mark Hunt trains, no matter how bad he has a training camp, you never know what Mark Hunt is going to show up. He could have the most amazing training camp of his life, and he could lose in the first round. He could have a terrible training camp and knock someone out in the very first round or have a classic right. fight over five rounds and still win it. You never know, and uh, I think that's why we've seen this inconsistency from Mark Hunt and uh, unfortunate for him and uh, good for Olenek. And all indications were this was an outstanding training camp uh, and a thoughtful one for the 44-year-old. But we'll see. Yeah, I think it's about a half a million bucks to show or something like that for Mark Hunt. So he's going to be back for a fight. Uh, But back from Russia, and we are thankful that he is back safely, is one Raymond Peter Longo. He waits on hold. He waits no more. Let us get to him. 
It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, some UFC history over the weekend, folks, Woo! and Ray Longo was right in the thick of it. Marab Davalishvili, the first UFC fighter to win a fight on Russian soil. Take it to the bank. Congrats, Coach. Welcome home. Oh, man, it's good to be back, man, and I couldn't be happier for a guy. You know, what Marab's been through with some of those shitty decisions and, uh, you know, what they did to him in, in, in Jersey was, was horrible. So I think we got a little redemption. We had a take a fucking 10 hour flight to do it to <laughs> moscow but uh we got it done i mean but that's got it, it done not, not that we could do it in our own country we had to go to moscow to get it done <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it was i was so happy for him and i gotta tell you with the shit that's happened to him i'm telling you right up until like two seconds before that bell i thought something weird was gonna happen <laughs> i right. just wasn't i just wanted to see him get the win and get back on track where he should be instead of being one and two i think he should be uh, you know, three and zero, sure. and and that's it. You know, so I'm really couldn't be happy for a guy. He's a class act. He's a great kid, um, and I hope he has a great future. Thankfully, no late DQ there. Something with a wayward oh, yeah, twelve to six John, elbow. I, Ray, I know. I'm not kidding, man. I didn't know what <laughs> I, I. I'm telling you, for what's happened to this guy. If I tell you, superstition on this fight was was off the charts and you know whatever but what a what a great kid and i was he was happy and he makes everybody happy he's becoming like the uh the lifeline of the gym but he really is he's just works his ass off man works his ass off so i'm happy for him 30 to 25 times three so he doesn't get you any richer with the finish but dominant from horn to horn how much of, of an asset is marab to aljo and some of the guys at or near his weight class I listened. Huge is the answer. Huge asset. And I think Dal uh, Aljo put it up, and it's it's really goes, you want to know how I get my cardio up? And he put up a picture of Marab. Marab is relentless with him. They had wow. such a good training camp, and we threw in this other kid, uh, Dennis, uh, you know, we call him Bazooka, um, that he's fighting on the uh, Chelsan and Fedor undercard at the Coliseum over here. But he had such great sparring partners. And, man, dude, he pushes everybody. Yeah, yeah, you bet. get in the ring with him, man. If your gas tank isn't in order, you, you're going to get screwed. Because he, he can go and go and go and go and go, man. And that's, I think he was perfect for Aljo for the Cody Stamen fight. And, uh, right. you know, it just, it was, it, it, it was good. We got a good, really good chemistry for like 155 and under over here. We're just loaded with amateurs and pros that are really, really good. There's some amateurs that are, really nasty at 155 too so we got a good thing it's it's at the gym is it's it's so so positive for the gym and um yeah we're on a good roll and it's 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 good to be a winner man yeah ray i was going to ask you well, what does this do for you and what does this do for you know chris weidman for example who who's coming up next now you guys have a bunch of momentum now in the gym there's good vibes good energy you guys are getting the wins uh what does this do for you and what does this do for chris going forward I think, look, for me, it puts me in a really good spot because, you know, it's like when a guy loses, like I, like I told Marab, if you fight to the best of your ability and you lose, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you, you lose and you have some controversy and all of that shit, it takes like everybody down because then you start putting energy towards that, which you shouldn't even have to do. And But there's nothing like momentum. And when you have good guys that everybody loves winning, 
and winning like that, it, it only makes everybody's stock go up and they just are motivated to train more. Yeah. Even when we were in Dallas with Aljo, like I Quinto was like, I'm dying to get back in there. Mm. Like he was so motivated by that. He was like, you know, he wanted to fight tomorrow. So, I mean, that it, uh, it it's a huge, I'm saying it's a huge, huge thing, huge for everybody. Because when you're happy, you're training better and everything's positive get rid of the negativity all good stuff man great great stuff for the gym great stuff for everybody that's fighting and we had a kid dylan mantello win a huge fight for a championship as uh as an amateur that i quinta tony is one of the best fights he ever saw so friday night he won wow. shout out to him and you know it's it's everybody it's not just these guys that we're talking about there's a lot of other guys that are winning and i think we win uh, four and one the week before, so yeah, it's it's just the gym's the gym's kind of on fire, which is great. So I know there's a longer conversation to be had in terms of the ebb and flow of a gym, and I don't want to make you recall the time when it was like at its worst, but you know there have to be times when Aljamain Sterling and Ally Quinta aren't walking through that door, and you're wondering maybe when the next talent is going to come in i mean you've been very fortunate to have high profile guys and train and right. develop a ufc champion but there have to be times where you're looking around thinking like fuck man i need to get some talent in here or, or am i yeah. reaching no no i'm, I'm look I'm, I'm gonna live and die by the guys i have i'm never ever looking to get talent in here we never did that so that wasn't it but there are ebbs and flows and plateaus and and i think as a coach that's what you have to realize you just do what you do believe in what you're doing and everything will take its course you know what i mean you're gonna have you're gonna hit some some lows but you know they're not gonna last long it's like a, you know it's like a baseball play he might get in a batting slump but if he stays true to what he believes and he has the talent he will come out of that and make up for it and i think that's it because I, I talk to other coaches and everybody's in the same category some of your top guys lose it's 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 hard to deal with man but you know again if you or doing the best you you can do, and like even for me, like if I if I know if I'm on point training, you know what I mean. Like I'm not doing a movie, I'm not putting my time somewhere else. Everything's right. good, you know, and that's what you have to keep in mind. It's it's crazy, but you it know, is. I, that, wanna, that Hollywood build, pull, right? That Hollywood pull, I get. <laughs> no, it. but you know, you want to. What I'm saying is that everybody's out to do their own thing. Eventually, yeah, there's life after everything for these guys, you know. So right. for everybody, you have to keep. You have to just keep that in mind, like, you know, just win your fights, train hard, and it's going to be a short window, and then do whatever you want after that. So, yeah, but we've hit our, you know, obviously, you know, we've hit our valleys, so, but, you know, we're, we're, we're good. You know, it's it's the same old saying, you know, you, you know, you want to hoist the guy up on your shoulders, but you want to be a safety net for him when he falls, too, so you yeah. can get him back up there again. So what can you tell us about the atmosphere? You've been at a lot of these UFC live events. It was a big crowd. It seemed pretty festive. Did you stick around after Marab's fight? I mean, give me something on a Monday. <laughs> uh, very spooky. If you go to Russia, go with an interpreter. That's what I'm going to say because nobody's going to help you. That, it's like, how wow. many, listen, I want to give a shout out. There's a girl, I think she just started with the UFC, Natalia. This girl is an angel, and I tell you, she fell out of the sky right on top of me and Sarah because <laughs> without her, me and me and Sarah are still in Russia. I, I will guarantee <laughs> you. And she does. She still doesn't get the magnitude she played because she's she's Russian. I think she's you know uh, grew up in Estonia, but she speaks Russian. We're not making it out of there wow. without her. I mean, and she thinks it's a joke, but once I found out she spoke Russian, I said, listen, we're like two infants. Please don't leave us in the airport. You know what I mean? So, 
And we got up to the uh, John. I'll tell you, this is horrible. You know, we'll, while we're there for three days, Matt's like, you know, my wife tells me uh, we're getting in at midnight. I go, dude, I'm looking at the ticket. We're getting in at five twenty in the afternoon. So then we let it go because they give you like seventeen hundred hours. It's like military time. So right. I'm saying maybe his wife's not making the connection with that, or she's screwing something up. You know, so next day he's like, she keeps telling me I'm getting in at midnight. So I'm like, dude, I send I send him a copy of my ticket, right? So we get up to the thing. Me and this girl check in because now she's, you know, we, we won't let her leave our side. You know, I'm like latched <laughs> on to this poor kid. And she's a absolute <laughs> sweetheart, this kid. And uh, Matt gets up there to look, and they don't have his reservation. And Mr. Sarah, very bad news for you. Oh, no. You missed your flight. He never checked his reservation. My buddy books it. Why he would put us on separate flights, I have no idea. Oh, I, just, I still didn't get the answer. He's got no flight home now. We're in, you have no idea what the airport is like over there. No, don't oh. think you, you're not in Kansas anymore. I can tell you that. And yeah. it's it's it. You every man for himself, like so. Wow. Oh yeah. If we, if we don't have this girl with us, John, I'm telling you, because then we had to go get a ticket. We would have never even found where to get the ticket. Trust me. And well, no, luckily, I, yeah. that, luckily there were seats on the plane. I said, dude, I don't care what it is. Just let's get on that train. We got to we got to get out of here. But I get on the plane. But, uh, yeah, so she walked us through everything. And if we don't have somebody speaking Russia, we're, I'm saying we're not making that flight. Well, as long as they had yeah. good Wi-Fi in the airport, then we could have done the uh, Anik and Florian podcast. But <laughs> that's right. That, yeah, that's all, man. Let me yeah. tell you something. I would have been, Kenny, I would have been miserable. If I tell <laughs> no. you, now imagine I have to deal with him. They're telling him he missed his flight. I'm the guy responsible for booking his ticket. <laughs> I'm saying if Natalia is not there, we might be rolling around Jeez. on the floor right now. It was. Oh it yeah. Was, oh no, no, it was not. It was. It was not not pretty, man. But everything worked out. We had a great ride home. We got the victory, and you know it was good. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, Look, we had the pleasure of some of uh, Marab's friends that lived there, so they took us around. So we got treated. The hospitality was second to none, so that was good. But it's a tough place if you're by yourself. I, I, I yeah. guarantee well, you that. Anik, I do owe you a hundred bucks. I didn't think they'd be able to get out of Russia, Sarah That's and Longo, right. but I, I, I owe you. So you win. You win again. And Kenny, Kenny, that was a good bet for you. I, I thought I had it. Good, I thought I had it because because it wasn't by design. It was pure luck. So. You, <laughs> Ah, I'm telling you, bro. Ah, Natalia, come on. Natalia, the kid was phenomenal. What a sweetheart. But uh, She lost me I'll, 100, but okay. I'll say this on live. Yeah, that'll be the last time I'm traveling with Sarah. I don't think I did. My, my heart <laughs> yeah. cannot take it anymore. Jeez. You know, the guy just gives a shit about absolutely <laughs> nothing. He doesn't care. And if right. <laughs> He don't give a fuck. He's out of his mind. That guy, I swear to God, I'm saying this right now. That guy's living to about 118, 119. Is you can't get rid of him. He doesn't care. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah, lo logistics not necessarily his his strong suit. Vintage oh Matt Sarah missing the flight. Oh, he's he's tough. He's tough. Right, last man. thing. Last yeah. thing, unless you got something on the way out. I mean, we've let you shout out all your local guys already. Um, so did you go back in and watch any of these fights? Because there was one fight in question, the C.B. Dalloway fight, oh, in man. which there was a late referee stoppage, at least in my opinion, by Herb Dean. Curious if you saw that or the main event. Uh, well, we got out of there, but I did see the fight. They wouldn't let us back in, so we had the green room. But then when the bus came, because it was on Wi-Fi, we could watch it you know, on our phone. So we... 
we got out of there. Uh, but I did see that fight. I got to tell you, man, I'm saying only because of the atmosphere and everything is isn't going to make sense to a lot of people. I give the guy a pass. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying he might. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it because of that, John. I know, I know what you're saying, but there were a couple of people in attendance. He might have saved everybody. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I see. Where you know what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, like, right. you know, well, cause, if somebody's, cause people... if somebody's got a gun to your head, you might do some shit you <laughs> might not do. But I, I'm saying, look, it was not right. I saw it. I was like, wow, he's got to stop it. But uh, it was it was, it was, was strange, man. We, we weren't in Dallas anymore. I could tell you that. Well, yeah. And, and I can empathize, too, you know, having been to a lot of different places over the years internationally. And in Brazil, I remember one time sprinting through an airport and thank God we had Pahumpa there to help navigate the language. Right. But I remember and I forget who the fighters were sprinting through an airport in Sao Paulo with a losing fighter whose face is like shut. Right. And the dudes sprint trying to get home. I mean, I've never felt worse for a human being. You know, I mean, I can't necessarily say that, but. Yeah, yeah, so very, I'm very glad that uh, Natalia to the rescue. I wonder if no, she because, feels as as good about you as you do her. Probably not, but yeah, no, definitely a hundred. She shouldn't either. But I'm telling you, the girl's <laughs> yeah. an angel. that's that's why she's an angel because she was stuck with us. Who we can't get through an airport in in the U.S. We can't get right, from right. Uh, the Dallas was a nightmare trip. You know what I mean? So yeah. put us in uh, Russia. But you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Years ago. I take a guy up to Canada to fight um, kickboxing for a championship fight. And we flew up there, and there were a couple of guys from Staten Island, and they were like, oh, you know, we saved the money. We drove up. You know, we saved this. We saved that. You know, my guy wins. This guy gets annihilated, broken orbital socket, just gets hammered. And now they got to drive back wow. like 20, you know, whatever, 10 hours to stay. You know, that's like almost like you're saying the guy's beat up, and now we – you wish you were home as quick as possible. You got to sit in the car for 10, 12 hours. That's oh. horrible. Yeah. So I kind of, when you said that kind of made me remind, but they were so happy they saved the money. But in the end, it, it was not a big savings. But oh. if we got stuck in Russia, man, it would have been, I don't know. I know, you, you know, we imagine? knew a couple of people, so I don't think it would have been bad. But when she said he missed that flight, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Of course he did. All right, my man. Thank you for the time. Congrats on a big win. Keep the train rolling. By the way, the odds are out for Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. Twenty what bucks. If you can tell me who's favored. Who's what? What's up? Twenty bucks. That. If you can tell me who's who's the betting favorite, Rockhold or Weidman. <laughs> I would think. I don't know. I probably probably made Rockhold the favorite. There you go. You, you didn't make any money in Russia. There's twenty bucks. You're up to two hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hunt was winning that damn fight. I know. I, I, I know. Penny, I, I was looking at that going, holy cry, I actually won the bet. I started. He was going to win. I mean, the guy was blimping. I know. I, I, what the hell did he do? The fix is in. I know. We were winning that bet, Kenny. Hey, it's in Russia. That's all I got to say, Ray. Yeah, right. oh. Kenny, trust me, Herb Dean might have saved everybody. I'm saying he <laughs> saved everybody. Ah, <laughs> man. Oh, you know, my people, people say we don't disagree enough on this podcast, right, Ray? I disagree with you quite a bit, my friend, but I'll Oh, I'll I saw there word. was a text. If I said something about, you know, the KKK, Kenny would laugh. I'm like, why is this guy got to bring Kellogg's into it? Now the guy doesn't <laughs> like cereal? I mean, what what is this, Kenny? Uh, I mean, that's horrible. You, you, you know, I, this is why Longo has his own podcast, folks. So <laughs> if you can't get enough. Go check What's the out matter Ray with Kellogg's cereal? Uh, I know. Can anybody tell me? Can I don't you tell me? 
this guy's got a problem. Kenny's going to laugh. I mentioned something about uh, Kellogg's. The KKK. I, I, <laughs> Somebody help me out here. Give me I, off yeah. can, does does anybody up. have a fucking cane they could just drag me off the stage? Right <laughs> Get now? the music. Roll the music. I mean, is, a, is there anything? A drum roll? Play anything? the I Ray Longo feel, quote. I feel like I'm on the Get fucking him. gong show and nobody's gone. Get, Get out. me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a little ray, red button on your cell phone. Oh, if you just my want to tap that anytime, and we look uh, forward to talking to you next Monday. Thank you, my man. All right, guys. What hey, a it was great, man. See you, Ray. Thank you. The Jeez. NFL boycott continues. Wow. Ray Longo. So, uh, yeah, the airport stuff can be no joke, right? And yeah. you try to be in a position where you got your itinerary locked down and everything else. But, man, I, I wish I could remember who the fighters were. But your heart just goes out to them, right? That there was some confusion. We were maybe booked on a different right. flight. And, and, you know, 15 or 20 of us, a UFC pack sprinting through the Sao Paulo airport and were it not for Pahumpa and his ability to navigate things in Portuguese, um, we might still be there, not unlike Longo in Russia. So glad to see Ray get home and hopefully CB Dalloway is home safely. Kenny, I want to spend another minute on this and say what you want about Longo and his conspiracy theories and all of that. But uh, Rustam, excuse me, Khalid Murtazaliv, I have never called his fight. That's why I'm iffy on the pronunciation. Khalid Khalid. Murtaza Lieb defeated C.B. Oh. Dalloway, TKO referee stoppage, uh, which came at the end of round two. It should have come, at least in my opinion, at some point in that second round. Okay, so if, if Big John McCarthy disagrees with this, then I don't even know what to say, right? But I thought this was such a gratuitously late stoppage that I led the goddamn podcast with it today. C.B. Dalloway is a veteran of this sport, and I think anyone who has watched the UFC for a few years, Kenny can look at the fighter no longer really intelligently defending himself say what you want about the power coming from those strikes but cb had effectively given up he was looking for the referee to get him out of the fight he was not intelligently defending himself when you see and we've seen it with frank Mir and guys when their arms go out they're they're showing you that they want you to bail them out right uh and herb dean failed to do so and to me i just hate seeing this shit and and people on the other side of it you know i just in this instance I just can't see that side of it at all. Um, I, I didn't get it either. Uh, listen, um, he wasn't defending himself for a long period of time. And I think right around the 25-second mark, you see Dalloway basically extend his legs. He's flattened on the floor, face down. He's protecting himself like this. He was already in that position, essentially, more on his knees or on his side. Uh, 30 seconds maybe before that, and around the 25-second mark, his body is just flattened out, and he's protecting his head. What else are you waiting for? That wasn't enough. Herb Dean waits till the end of the round? I, I mean, what are you doing? If, that, if you're not able to read body language as a referee and you've been doing it for that long, I don't know what to say, man, because Herb Dean is a good guy, and he's been around the sport for a long time. He's contributed a lot to this sport. Um, so I, I hate criticizing uh, referees in general because it is a very, very tough job. But when you're putting another guy's life at risk, I mean, the number one job of the referee is to protect the fighter. Was he protecting the fighter? No. No, I mean, and I'm the first one to go up to Herb Dean after an event when there's some sort of controversy and say, nice job, if I thought he did a nice job. And, and if I don't, maybe I don't seek out that conversation. But 
I know he's one of the best in the game. I think he worked the main event this night, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, and he's going to still get high-profile assignments. And as far as I'm concerned, relative to everybody else, he deserves them. But yeah. in this instance, right, protect the fighter in more ways than one. And, and he basically set him up for the maximum possible amount of humiliation, right? Like asking him to get back to the stool. And then so he basically the narrative became that sort of a CB had to really give up, right? Like if you can't get up to the stool and you know, I'm going to have no choice, but to stop the fight, like throw a guy a bone, man. I just hated watching that stuff. And you don't want to take away from the winning fighter who had a dominant performance. But I mean, you just, when you're seeing a guy who is ubiquitously regarded as one of the best refs in the game, and he's looking at that and not choosing to stop it right. in 2018, it's like, man, where are we? A um, couple other things on Moscow before I move on to some other things. Ryan Hall and BJ Penn, I want to get to that. I know you guys broke the news on UFC tonight. Time permitting, also, we didn't talk at all about the shevchenko Montano stuff because there were so many great headlines coming out of UFC 228 mm -hmm. that we didn't get to that. But Jan Bohovic, a big win over Nikita Krylov with an arm triangle choke there. Shamil Abdurakhimov also on the main card over Andrei Arlovsky by unanimous decision. For Jan Bohovic, Kenny, this was his fifth consecutive win in this light heavyweight division that is seemingly wide open if not being held up right now and I know there are rumblings about a John Jones return and what's Daniel Cormier going to do is he going to vacate Alexander Gustafson is lurking but mm -hmm. Wojovic is right back in the mix here the win over Jimmy Manoa and then this one over a very talented and dangerous Nikita Krylov this is big for uh for Poland for Wojovic and and you can you can put this one right up there as one of the bigger wins I would think of his career I, I agree Krylov is very tough moves very well very fast for the division uh, and the fact that not only did, that he beat him, but he got a finish over him uh, is saying a lot. So for Blahovich, I, I agree. Uh, I think this is establishes this establishes himself uh, as an elite 205er once again. And um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in, in a possible title shot uh, sometime next year. Yeah, I think one or two wins would would put him in prime position. But he's definitely got a big one next. All right, Ryan Hall, your buddy Ryan Hall. And if you don't know Ryan Hall, Kenny can certainly give you his background as well as anyone but one thing that has sort of befuddled some who maybe don't know the guy and we've had him on our show is why he isn't competing regularly in mixed martial arts and this is I don't know if I should call him a renaissance man Kenny but he's got a lot of different irons in the fire he's a very smart guy with a lot of different things going on this will be his first fight since 2016 yep. and obviously fighting BJ Penn at whatever stage of his career um, was enough to get Ryan Hall you know up off the couch so to speak even though I thought he's I know he's not sitting on the mm -hmm. couch yeah that's right I mean Ryan trains year-round uh, he lives the life of a martial artist he's training all the time uh, he is in the pursuit of just improving himself every single day um, so he's been training uh, consistently uh, but he has been looking for a challenge. Uh, he has been looking. He's been asking for a, a top ten guy. Um, you know, he hasn't gotten that fighter. And then, and then some of the fights that he wanted that were offered to other guys, um, they were turned down for whatever reason to not to not fight right. Ryan. So uh, I think when this opportunity came up originally, I think they were talking about fighting at 145 pounds. Uh, B.J. Penn said he wanted to fight at 155, um, and. For a guy in Ryan Hall who has competed in jiu-jitsu, this guy probably has had you know over a thousand matches. Uh, he was competing every single weekend for uh, a few years. So, um, you know, w when you're that heavily involved in jiu-jitsu, of course you're going to look up to um, the first American Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt world champion in BJ Penn. He was right. able to do what no other person had done at that time. Um, and I think when you when you see a guy who's a legend in BJ Penn, a guy who has accomplished so much in jiu-jitsu, a guy who has accomplished so much in the sport, while it is at the end of his career, 
I think it was interesting enough of a challenge for Ryan to take this fight and want to take this fight, despite him not being a top 10 guy. Um, right. And I think the fact that it's up a weight class is yet another challenge for him. Um, and that's why he's in this, is for the challenge. And uh, for BJ Penn, I know that he said, oh, I won't take a fight unless I think I could win it. Um, maybe he was joking about that. But at the same time, um, I'm sure Ryan's taking that very seriously. And, and, uh, and, and I'm sure BJ Penn is as well. My understanding is that he's in Rio right now training with Team Novo Uniao. Um, and I think that's a sign that, you know, BJ is taking this very seriously and, and is looking for his win. And he has been training regularly. BJ Penn, he's been a fixture at these UFC events really all mm -hmm. year long, dating to, to February or March. We've seen BJ Penn at these events with Jason Perillo, uh, training with a lot of the fighters, you know, mentoring Jose Aldo a little bit and even helping Aldo with some of the non-training aspects of getting ready for a big fight recently mm -hmm. before his fight with Jeremy Stevens. So BJ Penn ha has been omnipresent, to say the least, and, and we'll see how it goes for him against Ryan Hall. It just struck me as interesting because I think Ryan Hall, as you know I do, is a very tricky matchup for a lot of these guys and kind of as a Ryan Hall fan, would like to see how far he can take it in mixed martial arts, even though for one reason or another, as you effectively outlined, those big fights haven't materialized. But I, I would really like to see Ryan Hall in there in 2019 um, with respect to BJ Penn against a, a real viable top 15 guy to see how Ryan Hall's very distinct, very tricky game would hold up. But, I, I uh, agree. Not and there it, yet. I agree. And, and if he gets a win, uh, John, I hope that they do give him a, a top guy because that, that is going to get – uh, Ryan to compete consistently and, and get those fights and and put on great fights as well and and I think that for the jiu-jitsu community I know they are very much behind this BJ Penn and Ryan Hall fight oh I'm um, sure and, and they've just gone nuts about the possibilities that if this does go to the ground that we are in for a treat um, a, a fascinating fascinating matchup for sure well, don't I mean, I wonder what Hall is looking to get out of this right because I think if he wants a jiu-jitsu match I think he can dictate that that happens potentially mm. you know uh, i agree i don't think bj is going to be afraid to go to the ground against anybody right yeah oh man fascinating stuff yeah. uh and i imagine for you 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 feel like you're right in the thick of things obviously uh, yeah. you know as a guy this who fought bj penn for the title and uh that'll get ken flow out of bed ladies and gentlemen yes. ryan hall bj penn coming up some point in december is that right maybe uh, the end of the end december end? is my understanding right. yeah december 30th yeah all right very quickly on this whole UFC Women's Flyweight Championship picture um, from UFC 228, unless we have Kevin Ioli. I don't think we have him yet. So I wanted to sort of talk about this, but UFC 228 was so great in terms of what happened inside the octagon with Tyron Woodley and everybody on down that we didn't even mention the name Valentina Shevchenko nor Nico Montano yeah. on our UFC 228 recap a week ago. So I wrote a tweet after Nico Montano was deemed... Uh, unfit to compete and I received a lot of venom for this tweet so I'm just going to read it here uh, fighting Valentina Shevchenko is no picnic but the notion that champion Nico Montano was scared to fight her is absurd we sat down with Nico yesterday she was confident thoughtful a picture of focus not sure what went wrong but let's give the athletes some respect and I think a lot of people took that statement and went and ran with it and she didn't compete obviously so there is some argument to be made that I don't have a leg to stand on in terms of defending Nico Montano. Uh, I was really just trying to point out the fact that she was not scared to fight Valentina Shevchenko and she was about to realize far and away the biggest payday of her professional life. By the way, a payday that most likely will not come around again as a champion seemingly receiving some sort of pay-per-view point or a champion's pay. Uh, 
So I, I don't disagree with the UFC for having her vacate the title. I think they have been very patient with her in terms of her health. She has a lot of issues. She has an arthritic foot that even when she landed in Dallas swelled up immediately. So she's dealing with a lot of issues outside the octagon. The division must go on. They can't rely on her. I get all of that. But Montano was confident going into that fight and was excited to have an opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong and excited to have the opportunity to make money. And her body just continues to fail her. And sometimes I think it's hard for me being so in it that I do get attached to these fighters, Kenny. And when I see everybody taking shots at them when they're down, I just can't help but publicly come to their defense, perhaps if it's against my better judgment at times. Well, listen, I, I agree with you. I don't think that she was afraid to fight Shevchenko. Um, I don't believe that there's any fighter that is afraid to fight another one. Um, I think that there's hesitation in being fearful of losing, but fearful of another fighter, then what are you doing in the sport? So I'm, I'm not going to take that um, – line of thinking at all I think you are absolutely correct but I do think that the UFC should have stripped her here um and the reason right. for that is my understanding she showed up on fight week okay at 144 pounds which is well above the eight percent uh limit above her weight so right. you just can't have you can't be a professional fighter and you can't be a champion if you're showing up that heavy on fight week I mean that can't happen. So, of course, her body is going to fail her. Um, yeah. I feel terrible that she wasn't able to fight. I feel terrible for Shevchenko, though, as well. Of you know, there's, there's two women who, who had to train for this fight. And when you put that much work in and you get a lazy uh, opponent who comes in way heavy uh, and then isn't able to fight, I think it's a terrible thing. And it's something that I don't think the organization can afford to happen again. Right. So, I mean, it's... It, it, it sucks. It sucks that they have to take the, the, the belt away from her, but I, I do think it's warranted. Yeah, no, I think it was the right course of action, and you're right. For Valentina Shevchenko, you got to feel for that side, but her next fight will be for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship, and you can be sure she will be the betting favorite that night whenever it comes to pass. But today is the 171st show for the Anakin Florian podcast, and now with us on the guest line is a man who we had the foresight to book on episode number two all the way back in April of 2015. I think he told us at that time, Ken Flo, we should change the name of the show to the Florian and Anik podcast. <laughs> Haven't done that yet, um, but this man is the 2007 winner of the Nat Fleischer Award for Career Excellence in Boxing Journalism from Yahoo Sports. The venerable Kevin Ioli is with us. K.I., appreciate your time, my friend. How are you today? I am doing great, John. You know, I was thinking after listening to these other uh, podcasts, I think we should call it the the Anik podcast. <laughs> Watch yeah. yourself, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Kevin. <laughs> so, uh, so did I see you and your wife at, at a Vegas Golden Knights preseason game last night? Is that accurate? That was accurate. We had a blast. It was. Uh, I posted a couple things on Facebook Go going into the arena. The band was playing. The cheerleaders were chanting, and it was the lobby was filled with people chanting "Go Knights, go!" and uh, we were laughing as they opened the uh, game up, and the Knights were coming out. A couple of the new players that were free agent signings uh, by the Golden Knights, the camera went on them, and they were laughing. They couldn't believe the crowd. There was 17,000-plus people there. The place was going crazy, and the players were going, this is the first preseason game. What's this going to be like in June? That is unbelievable, and obviously the Golden Knights captured the attention of the masses with what they did last year, but 
I've said this is the hardest pro sports championship, I think, to win next to maybe something in combat sports. Kev, that's an awfully quick turn. I mean, that was a long season. It's hard for me to believe that they're back on the ice already. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, uh, we said last night when we walked in, it was like we just hardly left the place, and now and right. now here we are. Uh, but uh, they've done a great job, and T-Mobile Arena is a great venue for hockey. Uh, not so great for fighting, I don't think, but uh, great, great for uh, hockey. All right, well, let's talk some fighting. Obviously, a big one in boxing this past Saturday night, the rematch between Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. You were there, your customary ringside seat. Uh, I read your column this morning. You didn't seem as enamored with the fight as, say, LeBron James and some others, but overall assessment of Canelo's win and what you saw firsthand Saturday night. You know, I thought it was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight. And I think when you look at what happened, to me, it's um, a disappointing performance by Gennady Golovkin from this standpoint. He fought 24 rounds over two fights with a guy moving up in weight to fight him. Never hurt him, never knocked him down, and he never really took risks. Yes, Gennady threw more punches, but what, the, what bothered me about the way he fought was he boxed all the time. He threw a lot more jabs, and he didn't just let it go. And I thought at some point in the fight on Saturday, after you've been in there with Canelo now, say, 18 rounds, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to plant my feet in the middle, and I'm going to trade with him because what I'm doing isn't working. It's not opening up. Up. And um, they're so evenly matched that I think they could fight ten times, and they're all going to be like that. I think Gennady had to turn around and say, "You know what? I'm going to fight. I'm not going to box." And he chose not to do that. And to me, that's what decided the fight. Yeah, it it was surprising. Did, did you think that Gennady heading in there was the guy who hit harder, being the heavier guy? Oh, no question. I mean, right. I think Gennady uh, was a bigger puncher, and I still think that. Um, but you know what? We we learned. We knew. Uh, Gennady Kenny had a great chin, but we learned that Canelo has a very good chin, too, yeah. uh, especially in the 11th round. I mean, uh, Gennady hit him with some really big, hard shots, and Canelo took it. And, you know, you could tell he was bothered a little bit by it, but, you know, he fought back. And um, Gennady, it just looked to me like Gennady wasn't willing to take a straight punch from uh, Canelo mm -hmm. in exchange for landing one of his own, and, and that surprised me. So do you think we're going to see a third fight here or no? I do, but I don't think it's going to be an immediate rematch. There's a lot of hard feelings between the sides, um, the uh, not only between the two fighters, but their teams and the promotions and everything else. And so I think we will see them fight again, but I think they'll each try other guys before they come back. I, I want to switch gears a little bit. Is this Pacquiao-Mayweather fight actually going to happen? It is. Uh, they're getting very close. The reports are coming out saying they're going to fight in December, and it could happen in December, Kenny, but I think it's wow. uh, more likely. Floyd wants it to happen around his birthday, which was, I don't know the exact date, but it's late February. Uh, and so I think it's more likely that it happens then than it does in December. But I know uh, the Nevada Athletic Commission heard about it on Saturday. I mean, excuse me, on Friday. Mm. Uh, they started uh, their process, so uh, Mayweather has to apply. But they are talking. Uh, some high-ranking people in the uh, Pacquiao organization hadn't heard about it. But the funny part about that is Pacquiao's team is always in turmoil and chaos. Manny wants to fight. Floyd wants to fight. Uh, the sides are talking, and I, don't, I think it's inevitable that we hear it in the next week or so. Yahoo's Kevin Ioli with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I think Manny Pacquiao coming up on birthday number 40 uh, in December, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. you've been at, at all the big fights in boxing and mixed martial arts. You've been a staple. Where is your level of enthusiasm for Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor relative to, say, 
I don't know, DC, DC Stipe most recently or some of the other big fights in recent UFC history? I am really excited to see this fight. I mean, probably as big as any fight ever. And the reason I like it so much is, you know, and I, when you say this, I have to put a caveat. I don't think either one has a glaring weakness. But I think Khabib's strength is Connor's weakness, and Connor's strength is Khabib's weakness. And so it's going to make for a, such a great tactical fight. And then the way that they're going to talk and sell it, I think they're going to have everybody amped up. And, and to me, it's just such a great uh, event. Um, I was very amped up for um, uh, Steve and DC, you know, and I and I just thought that was a fantastic promotion. But I think this one is at another level. Um, you're talking two of the greatest fighters in the world with unbelievable skill and their specific strength, and I think both of them are vulnerable where they're not strong. And so I think that makes you know we saw against Ali Quinta. You know, Khabib's striking isn't you know dominant like the rest of his game is. You know, he's not a terrible striker, but he's not a dominant striker. And against Connor, you know, hey, the fight started on their feet. So I, I'm really jazzed up for it. And I, I talked to Dana White a couple of weeks ago, and you know, we were talking about potentially that being a three million uh, pay per view. And I scoff whenever I hear over a million most of the time. But when right. we talked about three million, I said, hey, I, I, I'm not going to scoff. That's incredible because I was going to maybe set a barometer at, at two four or something like that three million. Uh, that is unbelievable to hear. So in terms of making this fight announcement, Kevin, in early August and having the quick turnaround like they've done here, some of that maybe you could say is strategic, but a lot of that is when Connor was going to be ready to come back and Khabib's willingness to accept the date, even though he's the undisputed champion. Um, can you say unequivocally that having a whole world tour and this long preamble is better for pay-per-views than one isolated press conference in New York City and a relatively quick turn after the fight announcement? I think for 99.999% of the fights, that is true. I think for this particular fight, it's not true. Um, and I think think that they will be able to get it out there um, right away. And I think they're going to have a huge uh, reception in New York. I know they're not going to invite the public to the press conference, but it's going to be a huge reception in New York for the fighters. And I, I just believe the media coverage is going to be over the top. And I think the promotion of the fight is going to be over the top. You're going to see the UFC push this over the next two weeks like you've never seen the UFC push anything in their lives. Uh, right. Everywhere you go, it's going to be uh, Connor versus Khabib. And uh, I think that the, this is the one fight that doesn't need that. I would have loved to have seen the world tour, but I think this particular fight doesn't need it. You're getting me excited, Kevin. Don't get me excited. Less than three <laughs> weeks until Khabib and McGregor. All right, a few rapid-fire questions here on the way out with the Pittsburgh native, Kevin Ioli. So the Steelers are 0-1-1. and I'm not panicking, <laughs> even though I don't like the head coach. Uh, fact or fiction, the Steelers, your Steelers will still win the AFC North. Fact. Ooh. All right, buy, buy or sell. This is Mike Tomlin's last year in Pittsburgh. Oh, sell. Right. I mean, they, they love having that short list of head coaches, and I respect it, but I just, I don't know. I Mike just Tomlin's feel like this. won a Super Bowl. The Steelers have been one of the best franchises in his tenure. They've always been right there. Why do you fire him? I mean, hey, he's not Bill Belichick, but he's one of the better NFL coaches. Well, I just think sometimes coaches or managers, they win a championship so early on that it buys them so much goodwill. It happened with the Red Sox and John Farrell in Boston. He won the, the championship, and the result they had to keep him around for six years, even though he didn't know what he was doing. But I'm not saying Tomlin's in that class, and 
I respect your take. Um, so real quick on the Vegas Golden Knights, because I think there is some crossover interest for our UFC fan base because everybody is getting behind this team. Um, they go to the cup final, come up short last year. Like realistically, what are the expectations and how do they avoid this precipitous drop off after going so close to completing the ultimate goal in season number one? I don't think there's any question they're not going to be as good in the regular season. They had 109 points last year, which was mind-blowing. Um, I thought they might be 500. You know, I thought they had a decent defense, you know, not a great defense, but decent and obviously outstanding goaltending, but I didn't think they'd score goals. They turned out to be one of the best goal-scoring teams in the league. Marc-Andre Fleury had the best year of his career. Uh, William Carlson became a superstar. I, I don't think that they can do that again. I think you'll see uh, Flory still be very good, but maybe not excellent. Carlson might score 30 goals, but not 43. Uh, they have Nate Schmidt on suspension for 20 games. That's going to hurt them. So I think they're going to still be uh, very good, and they'll be a factor in the playoffs. But I don't think that going into the season, you could rightly say they're going to get 109 points again. So you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I know you adopted the Vegas Golden Knights, and if they meet in the cup final, I guess you'll cross that bridge when you get there. But are you going to adopt the, the Raiders in a similar fashion? Oh, or no? no, 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 no. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's a, Just making see, sure. When I got the Golden Knights camp come in, it was an expansion franchise with no history. And I was telling my wife this last night. One of my favorite players on the Golden Knights is uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and I said when he first started playing, I liked him as a player. I liked what he was doing on the ice, but I couldn't root for him. And she said, why? I said, because he played for the Flyers before, and I hate the Flyers. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. and I couldn't do it. And that with the Steelers, uh, I am such a Steeler guy that yeah. the Raiders are one of the teams that I could never root for. Okay, good. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. You can see him <laughs> in the black and gold, but not the black and silver. He is Kevin Ioli. You can follow him on Twitter, at Kevin I. I first met Kevin Ioli. I was doing the Mouthpiece Boxing Radio Show. I think it was a, a fight between Marco Antonio Barrera and Eric Morales, like 2002, Ooh. 2004. Oh, what a great and, fight. Classic. And you are still sharp as attack, my man, and, and gracious to, to have your ear and your insights as usual. I hope you enjoy the next couple of weeks, and, and we will see you on your stomping grounds come the 6th of October, my friend. Thanks really for the time. Really look forward to it. Thanks, guys. There he is, Yahoo columnist and writer Kevin Ioli with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Good egg there. Back oh, yeah. in the day, I had to beg him to come on my radio show. You know, hey, excuse me, Mr. Ioli, um, <laughs> my name is Jonathan Anik. Uh, can you just come over and do this little mouthpiece boxing show, Sporting News Radio Boston, you know. But he was always gracious, unlike a lot of people in that boxing world that wouldn't give us the time of day. But good stuff and a good fight between Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. And so much is made of the scorecards here. You know, I my scorecard, you might as well throw out, right? But I thought it was an entertaining fight. Uh, not a classic necessarily. But, you know, I, I've said a, a lot on these airwaves that I felt like when I was covering boxing those three or four years, four or five times a year, boxing was the biggest story in sports. I remember even Bernard Hopkins and Winky Wright and the fight didn't even mean all that much, and yet it was mm -hmm. getting Sports Center coverage. It seemed like one of the bigger sports stories, and uh, I always like when boxing is the biggest story in sports, even on a football weekend, and, and Triple G and Canelo certainly captivated the masses, kid. Yeah, man, I uh, didn't see it live. Uh, saw some highlights uh, today, this morning, and uh, I, I can't wait till it. It's, it's going to be on HBO, I'm sure, probably another week or two, so I, I have to watch it. Everyone seemed like uh, it was an amazing fight.
Triple G favored in the first two. If and when they do that trilogy fight, I wouldn't be surprised to see that flip a little bit. You know, maybe Triple G start to show the age a little bit. I hate to go too far down that line, but uh, I think you saw some of that a little bit. So, um, so yeah, so in terms of Shevchenko and Montano, we sort of put that stuff to bed. For Valentina, her next fight is going to be for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. And it seems like maybe Ioana Jacek will be that fighter. You know, I think maybe the holdup, and this is just me speculating, is that Young Jacek is happy, so happy with the way her last cut went down to 116 mm -hmm. pounds that she still has those reservations to leave strawweight. I know you have other fighters out there, Sajara Eubanks and Jessica I and others, uh, Caitlin Chukagian, who are at or near the top. Some of them have fights on the books, but they all want a piece of that belt. Um, Shevchenko's getting that title shot, and I, I think it's probably going to be Joanna if they can find a way to entice her. What do you think? I, I think that's the fight they should make. Uh, obviously, these women have a history together. They've competed in Muay Thai and kickboxing uh, in the past. And I think for Joanna, she could absolutely make 125 pounds and still be strong in that weight class, in my opinion. I think she's a little bit taller than a lot of the women at 115 pounds. And the biggest hurdle, the biggest issue is that Rose Namajunas is the champion in that weight class, and she has two wins over Ioana. So it, it right. might be a while uh, if Rose stays the champion, of course, uh, before she ever gets that third fight, if, she, if right. she ever does. So I think it does make sense for her to try her hand at fighting at 125 pounds, and I think this is simply the biggest fight you can make at 125 pounds. So um, I, I think really it's to the benefit of the UFC, Shevchenko, and Ioana Young-Jacek. That's a huge fight. And who knows if Rose Namajunas is even going to fight again in 2018, right? She might be out until the first quarter of 2019. Mm -hmm. And and there is one Jessica Andrade lurking as well. So right. we'll see how, how that all shakes out. Um, all right. It is time to spin this thing forward. UFC Sao Paulo has a new main event. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, not much doing in terms of the standings from last week. UFC Moscow, you tied our buddy Gerardo Linares 1-1. So Team Anik's lead 107-97 going into UFC Sao Paulo this weekend. And joining us to make picks today, where it is about 3 o'clock in the morning, I believe, in New South Wales, Australia. He's been up all night. Brett Lobsey is with us. Brett, gracious man to pull an all-nighter. How are you holding up, my friend? I'm doing great, thanks, gentlemen, mate. It is a pleasure to be here, and um, yeah, not a worry at all. Well, I normally don't feel pressure when I bring listeners on, but you've been up all night. I feel a certain amount of pressure to make sure this is a good experience for you. Uh, six picks, I believe, oh. we're going to make today, five time-permitting Um Let's start with the main car bout, Bantamweight division. The former champ, Hennon Brow, slight favorite here, minus 135 against the UFC newcomer, Andre Ewell. He's plus 105. Brow's dropped two in a row, four of his last five. Brett, what do you think here? Are you going Hennon Brow or Mr. Highlight in his UFC debut? Yeah, no, John, it is a pleasure to be here, mate. Highlight of my MMA fandom, so not a yes. problem with all staying up all night, man. But in this fight... Um, I don't know anything about this Andre guy. Um, I guess I know that he's tall and he's willing to go down to Brazil and take on Hennon, who is, um, you know, going to have everything behind him. Um, but I, I can see Barrow winning this one by submission. 
Um, he's going to be able to maybe keep him off with some leg kicks and and then hopefully, you know, get into the ground and choke him out. So that's how I'm seeing this one going. Not a lot of sports books have this fight out there right now. It seemed like it opened closer to 3-1, to one, but now it's pretty close with Barrow still holding as a slight favorite. Uh, Ewell, I don't know a ton about him either. I'll know more after the weekend, obviously, but he fights out of California. He's 13-4 and four overall. He's won four in a row, eight of his last nine, so he brings with him some momentum. Ken Flo, Hennon Barrow against the newcomer this weekend. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, uh, Hennon Barrow is certainly not the same guy that we saw uh, when he was champion and on that crazy uh, win streak. Um, but I, I still think he has the experience. I, I also think he has a big-time advantage on the ground. Um, I, I see Barrow uh, getting it done here um, by decision. All right, a couple picks there on the former King Hennon Barrow. All right, light heavyweight fight here, guys. Smiling Sam Alvey, the minus 300 favorite. Against old friend Little Nog, Antonio Hogerio Nogueira coming back at plus 230. His fight back after the suspension, some injuries. Last fight, November 2016 against Ryan Bader. Of course, Alvi, the ever-active Sam Alvi, he's had six fights since then uh, and has won two straight, three of his last four. Brett, what do you think, Alvi or Hogerio Nogueira for you? Well, Little Nog, he, he doesn't mind a, a layoff. Um, he come back from two years off to fight Rashad and won that one, I think. So, right. And he's going to be a huge favorite with the crowd out there. They're going to be loving him. Um, you know, the Nogueira's are just total fan favorites in Brazil. And I'm looking for I'm looking him to win. He's going to come forward. Um, Albi doesn't really like people who pressure him too much. So Little Nog's going to get in there, get in his face, hopefully land something. The other fear for him would be that... Um, Alvi can hit with the right cross when he's moving backwards. So if he can right. stay out of that trouble, I just think Nagera is going to take him in the first round. Interesting. And that's a, some value there, too, plus 230. Ken Flo, your thoughts on Alvi and Little Nog this weekend? Listen, Alvi's very dangerous. I, I do think he's a little bit more dangerous, though, at 185 pounds. He, he really can crack. Um, while I, I do think he can still get the knockout here against Little Nog, I don't see it happening. Um, two southpaws going at it here. I, I think Noguera will be skilled enough to stay away from that uh, counter shot if he's able to back Alvi up. You know, not only is his uh, left cross dangerous, but his hook as well. He hits hard with both hands. Um, but I see Noguera getting the win here. If he's able to get it to the ground, I think he could finish. Um, not going to be so easy against Alvi, uh, but I do think uh, Little Nog gets it done. You guys might just move that number. Ken Flo and Brett Lobsey both on Little Nog at plus 230 coming up this weekend. The, the results on Alvi, pretty good thus far at light heavyweight. Knocked out Marcin Pracnio and then a decision winner over John Belante. So Alvi trying to make it three in a row this weekend. All right, co-main event, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, another high-profile spot for him. This time a minus 400 favorite against one Carlo Pedersoli. Pedersoli plus 330 for what is his second UFC appearance here. He's won eight in a row overall. Brett, the floor is yours. Who do you like in the co-main? Well, I do like Carlo Pedersoli. I think he's a, if, even for a young fighter, he's a, he's a journeyman. He, he fought short notice fights against um, uh, Brad Scott and then um, uh, the other guy over there in England. And, and he's taken another short notice fight here. He's going to be able to give Oliveira some trouble. He's going to go the distance, but Alex Oliveira's just got, going to have way too much momentum behind him. And, and he's going to have the crowd and he's going to have the judges, I think. So this is a decision, decision to Oliveira. 
And he's going to have Gustavo Lima blaring through the speakers, and all of Sao Paulo is going to go crazy for Cowboy. I think the name that was escaping you, Brett Nicholas Dalby, was that the short notice fight? That's the one. All right, so that yeah, was a one by one, split yeah. decision for Carlo Pedersoli. Then, of course, the very tough Bradley Scott was the guy he beat also by split in his UFC debut. Ken Flo is not the president of the Alex Cowboy Oliveira fan club, and I know he's going to text me after the show like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> you just don't like the walkout song. I know you like the fighter. Uh, your right. thoughts on Cowboy <laughs> against somebody who is not nearly as UFC tested this week? Well, you know, this is a dangerous fight for Alex Oliveira. Um, I, I do like the way that he fights and that he's exciting. He's, he's pretty aggressive, but he is wild and he does have a lot of holes in his game, um, which makes this a very dangerous fight for him. Uh, this is a tricky one. You know, if I honestly, if, if Carlo had a full camp for this one, I, I would go Carlo's way most likely. Um, I, I, I most likely would, but I, I think Oliveira, I think he's going to get it done um, by decision. He, he he does have the knockout power to maybe get it done as well, but um, I, I see a decision win for Cowboy. All right, main event, and how about this? I'll set it up a little bit. So initially, as many of you know, it was going to be Jimmy Manoa against Glover Teixeira. Teixeira pulled out several weeks ago in step Tiago Mahetta Santos earlier today, and we're taping here on Monday of fight week. Um, Manoa reported out, Eric Anders in. So Anders moves up to light heavyweight, which Mahetta Santos is doing. Um, your new look main event, two guys who really have competed primarily at middleweight, Tiago mm -hmm. Santos, Eric Anders. Anders was a huge betting favorite for his last fight, and it wasn't all that long ago, less than four weeks ago against Tim Williams. I think Anders is probably going to be the underdog here. I don't know where this one is going to fall. We'll adjust accordingly. But, Brett, this is the main event we need, a method of victory and a round. Who do you like in the final fight in Sao Paulo, my friend? Yeah, it's um, you know, good on Eric for taking this one, um, and a huge challenge. You'll still probably have to cut a bit of weight um, with five days' notice, I'd say, so... He's gonna have he's gonna have that to deal with um, moving down to Brazil. Um, so he's not. He, I, I, the only problem I have with Moretta is that sometimes his head's not quite in the game. He's kind of thinking outside, doing other things, and and that could, could be could um, you know be a problem for him. But I'm gonna take a round two TKO to Moretta Santos, starting up with a body kick. Oh, look at that. Round two TKO for Tiago Mejeta Santos. So Ken Flo, Eric Anders, 11-1 and one overall. He's 31 years old. He did go nearly three hard rounds with Tim Williams. That was August 25th before he got that late finish. Less than 20 seconds to go in the fight. But this is a gym rat, right? I mean, this is a guy who never leaves the gym. He's cross-trained recently at Fortis MMA with Safe Saud, who just was blown away with what this guy brings to the table. I don't expect him to have to cut too much weight. He has the experience of going five rounds and belaying against Lyoto Machida, right? Yeah. So Sao Paulo, a lot easier in terms of the travel for Eric Anders. If anyone is in position to physically put themselves in position to compete well, you know, my money is on Eric Anders. I'm not saying he's going to win the fight, Ken Flo, but I don't expect the six days noticed to be a huge factor for Anders if he does lose. Your thoughts on what we might see in Sao Paulo, my friend? Well, it's not optimal, that's for sure. Um, and the travel is a factor. Uh, the fact that it's a five-round fight, to me, is a factor. Um, and just the power of Santos is a factor. Anders um, sometimes gets caught watching a little bit. He can, he can be a slow starter. Um, and against a guy like Santos, uh, that could be trouble. Uh, and Santos will definitely be buoyed by, by the crowd in, in Brazil. Um, I'm going to go with Santos. I think he gets it done 
uh, by stoppage in, in round three, TKO. Round three TKO for Tiago Mejeta Santos. And he might end up being a three or four to one favorite. I think it's going to be closer than that. I really do. But uh, we will see how it goes. And I think, yeah, it, it would be more the power, I think, than the circumstances for Eric Anders, at least just given everything that I've heard. I mean, I was texting with his manager this morning. Uh, your boy Eric Anders is ready to go. And, and a guy that the promotion really can lean on, I think, in a couple of different weight classes to mm. step up. Not unlike Tiago Santos as well, who has been a, a true soldier for them. All right, a couple quick picks on the way out. Out of respect to Evan Dunham, we are picking this fight because it will be the retirement fight for the longtime UFC veteran Evan Dunham. He is the plus 230 underdog here. Francisco Masaranduba, Trinaldo, minus 300. Who do you like, Brett, Trinaldo or Dunham? Yeah, Dunham's just had one of those careers. He's been unlucky a lot of times, um, starting with that Sean Shirk fight where he's clearly won that decision. They didn't give it to him. So yeah. I just can't see him getting the decision down there. So it's going to be... Masaraduba. Duba for Brett Kenfield. What do you think? Dunham, swan song against Trinaldo. I'm going the other way. I'm, I'm going with Dunham here. I, I uh, think he's one of the nicest guys in the sport. I also think he has the skill simply to, to win this one. Uh, it is going to be difficult in Brazil, but I think Dunham gets it done in his last one. And I wonder if there's just a little tweak in the risk management for Evan Dunham, right? right? He's, all, he's so tough, right, that maybe just – Balls to the fucking wall and see how it goes in Sao Paulo. All right, last one. Sergio Marais, minus 250. Ben Saunders, plus 195. Britt, we will let you go with this one. Who do you like, Marais or Saunders? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's going to be um, Marais coming in for a takedown from way too far out and getting caught with an, uh, a knee from Saunders. Uh, Saunders got great BJJ as well, and, and that's all that Sergio's got against him. So it's going to be a TKO for the Saunders. Ken Flo, Ben Saunders, Sergio Marais. I, I could definitely see Saunders uh, winning in that fashion. He's also just huge for the division. Uh, but I think Marais will find a way to get it to the ground. I think uh, the fact that he's experienced with jiu-jitsu will keep him out of the submission game, and I see Marais uh, getting it done by decision here. All right, UFC Sao Paulo, you can see it this weekend on FS1. I think the prelims are on FS2. Of course, UFC Fight Pass to get things started. Brett Lobsey, New South Wales. My friend, I really appreciate you waking up for us and all the all the support uh, from all the Aussies, my friend. Go get some sleep. Thank Thanks, you so Brett. much. Uh, my, my pleasure, boys. Have a good one. Ta. There he is, Brett Lobsey. He's Australian. I want to call him Brit instead of Brett so badly. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I watch too much Flight of the Concords, but I fucking love the Aussies. Great fans down there, yes. and a lot of them in the queue to make picks here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And rest assured, if you can stay up all night like Brett Lobsey just did, we That's will awesome. get to you. Uh, we got to get out of here, though. May Rocky BJJ is calling, dude. I mean, mm. standing room only on those gray mats. I mean, I know you wanted uh, you wanted big crowds here, Ken Flo. But I know. I mean, this is incredible. I know. I, dude, I, I've been so excited. Uh, you know, the, the the mats have been on fire. We've been getting a, a lot of sign-ups. Um, we just have – but more than anything else, man, we have such a great community. I keep saying that all the time, but uh, what a what a great group of, uh, of people that we have. Signing up more women as well, which is really cool. Um, they're loving it. And, uh, yeah, man, spreading, spreading the Brazilian jiu-jitsu Bible out there. It, it's, Amazing. it's been really fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that I get the bug again. You know, we'll see. 
We'll get you. When, next time you come to L.A., we'll get you on the map. I'm here. definitely going to. I'm giving I don't you a private to, lesson. I'm giving you as a long as I don't lesson. have to do like 50 forward rolls before we start because <laughs> then I'm get seeing dizzy. stars before we've even done like hip escapes. Right. I mean, what the fuck, Pahumpa? <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you to our guest, Kevin Ioli, Ray Longo. Thanks to our crew, Danny Mayock, and the rest. Uh, and to all of you out there who, who do take the time to listen to us and indulge us every week, we appreciate you more than we know. Yes. We'll talk to you next Monday. Full recap on Sao Paulo. And then the two-week countdown will be on for UFC 229. Khabib versus McGregor. Also, we'll have thoughts on that face-to-face, -face, which is coming up this Thursday. Don't forget, you can see it on UFC.com and UFC Fight Pass as well. 5 p.m. Eastern from the Big Apple. With that, for the freshly groomed Kenneth Allen Florian, I'm John Anik. May Rocky BJJ, may RockyBJJ.com. Have a great night. Don't text and drive. You'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.